Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the gift of you. We thank you, Lord, for your revelation to us through your holy word. And we pray now that as we engage it, as we listen to it, we pray that your spirit would work in our hearts and our minds for your glory and the benefit of not only us, but others as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ten-year-old little Johnny and his family were having Sunday dinner at his grandma's house. Everyone was seated around the table as the food was being served. When little Johnny received his plate, he started eating right away. Johnny, please wait until we say our prayer, said his mother. I don't need to, the boy replied. Of course you do. His mother insisted, we always say a prayer before eating at our house. That's our house, Johnny explained, but this is Grandma's house and she knows how to cook. (laughs) My grandma knew how to cook too. (laughs) Your grandma knew how to cook too. My mother knows how to cook too. So, but anyways, we, we have these different perceptions, don't we, (laughs) at times. And the same way we might have different perceptions of money and how we are called to give our money. I mean, uh, you might have heard from Perch Church. I mean, they are all online all the time. And I know some of you are online today. But Perch Church is online all the time. And, And when was the first time, for those of you, if you can remember, when you ever were invited to give online? Like, what is that? We're used to doing it when the the ushers come forward and and pass the plates, right? And there's different perceptions and different ways in which we give back to God. The first fruits, as Talbot read for us out of the book of Proverbs, the first fruits, not the leftovers, the first fruits, and that's a challenge. Gen Z, do we have any Gen Zers in the house? Nine to 24-year-olds, those group who identified as Christians were asked by Barna, in general, would you say that any of the following influences your giving decisions? Praying through those decisions, 41% of that age group said, yeah, that's, that influences how we give. Reading scripture, 30% said that, that influences how we give. Seeing giving as a spiritual discipline and responding to spiritual convictions. 27% of those respondents said that influences how we give. And very interestingly, 28% of those interviewed in that survey said none of those influence how we give. Now, some of you are saying we were taught from when we were little at grandma's house around the table eating food that we say our prayers and we give, give 10% to the Lord. But whether you're, you're Gen Z or, or a boomer or the greatest generation or, or Gen X or, or Gen Y millennials, there's even a Gen A now. Did you know that? Zero to nine years old or Gen A. I know I'm getting older when they keep adding Gens. In fact, I have, I have pages and pages here. Don't worry, this isn't my whole sermon you're thinking. He must have, 
I have pages and pages of here of how banks are engaging the different age groups. How they think of money, how they want to invest their money, and, and they're doing it by all these gens. We're different. We have different perceptions. And yet, friends, I would say we can never go wrong when we go back to God's word. Amen? Now, we're going to wrestle with it. We may not understand it, and sometimes we don't agree with it, but that's okay no matter what age you are. We can go back to God's word and seek to understand aspects of our life. Aspects of our discipleship and faith journeys. And yes, even talking about money in church. It's awkward to bring up tithes and offerings and and budgets and special projects and shortfalls and challenges. But if we think about it, if we're being honest, friends... Who here probably doesn't think or talk about money every single day? Think a second. You probably think or talk or engage or worry or celebrate or have decisions to make about money every single day. And so as we steward our lives, time, talent, and treasure... I want us to think that let's not just think about money when it relates to church alone. We want to think about how money has blessed us to be a blessing in all aspects of our lives. It's not just about giving online or dropping it in the the box as you leave or putting it in the offering plate or mailing it in or doing an online banking payment. It's about how we live with what God has blessed us with. That's why we take these mission moments each week. To realize that as you give to the Lord, he can take it and bless it and do far more abundantly than we can ever ask or imagine. And we can't even tell you all the ways in 52 weeks a year of how your giving to the Lord not only supports the mission and ministry to one another here, but also out into the world. And we want to talk about about money and blessings in church so that we can also care for one another. Think about the challenges when somebody is overwhelmed and unemployed or a mortgage has them turned upside down. Or, Or what if we encounter people who come here and their credit card debt just has them swallowed up? How can we point them and engage them in being good stewards of where they are and how they can get out of debt? If the church won't help people figure out how to handle their personal finances, well, friends, there's other people that will. I was blown away when I was in public accounting and had a client downtown Pittsburgh, the controller of the company, and we had a good relationship. It was one of our biggest clients, and we spent way too many hours there, Mark. I'm sure you can understand. But... It broke my heart one day when he was talking about credit cards and debt. He said, my philosophy, Brian, is pay 10 and charge again. (laughs) He says, my kids will have to deal with it someday. I'm like, John. He goes, no, pay 10. I'm sure the minimum payments now on credit cards are a lot more than $10. But 
how we steward our lives, not only in the sanctuary or on campus or on special giving opportunities like the Christmas worship celebration, how we steward our lives out there, I think God wants us to have a biblical perspective. And not all the money or blessings that we receive from the Lord go to the church. Now, a lot of you out there, you, you, you are generous people. You honestly are generous. I think it's wrong for the church to think, well, we got to preach about money because there's a lot of stingy people sitting in the pews. I mean, did you see the announcement about rising tide? What was it? Over $12,000 was given a record. Isn't that wonderful? I mean... You're generous people. And a rising tide opportunity is what I like to frame as extra mile giving or above and beyond. We're not saying give to rising tide and not to good shepherd. But you are generous people. And sometimes we just need a little help getting there, don't we? Most of us want to be generous. And maybe we, we can't start at 10%. Maybe this whole church thing is new to you. Or you, you felt a conviction lately that, you know what, I want to I wanna give back to God maybe more consistently or in a little more, bit more depth than I have been doing my life. God knows your heart. Proverbs says, as we heard, trust the Lord with what? All your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will guide and direct our paths. Friends, the stewardship of our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ is no small calling. Can we give thanks with grateful hearts for how the Lord calls us and equips us to his mission and ministry and places us in a community of faith and believers so that we can live out our lives following him? God's saving love for us, friends, should drive us to respond with a spirit of thanksgiving for each day and for each opportunity he calls us to participate in Jesus' saving mission to a world in need. This morning, for a few minutes, we'll engage 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And in this letter to the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul engages them and engages their practice of gratitude by encouraging them, as we'll hear, to remain committed to their financial pledge of helping those in need in the Jerusalem church. And to be quite frank, I think Paul was getting a little nervous, though the Corinthians had the means to do this, Paul was writing with a little bit of nervousness in his heart that, are they going to step up to the plate? Because I've already talked well about you, friends. And he's writing this letter saying, come on, come on. And yet, let's not miss the fact as to why he footnotes encouraging them to give to others in need. But friends, honestly, before we engage this one more minute, we get back to the fact that we like to keep our privacy when it comes to talking with other Christians about our finances. The problem of money is compounded by 
hard sell media evangelists raising funds for their personal empires. And friends, we can't disfact or step away from the prosperity gospel. It breaks my heart. I hope it breaks yours. We don't give to get. We give as a grateful response for what Jesus has done for us. Paul devotes two whole chapters to the grace of giving, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We don't have the time to do both of them this morning, but he devotes two whole chapters to the grace of giving because both he and the Corinthians have a problem in this area. Don't we all, if we're being honest? And I love how N.T. Wright says, in chapters 8 and 9, Paul is walking on eggshells, yet somehow he gets away with it. I love N.T. Wright. And I wonder why he says that. Paul's overall purpose is to make sure that by the time he arrives in Corinth, the church will put aside the full amount of the money they are going to contribute for the impoverished Jerusalem church. That's kind of the framework. He's a little nervous that maybe they don't see a reason why they need to give. He doesn't want them to give to get. He wants them to give in grateful response for what Jesus has done for them and also be aware of the needs that are out there. Some of them are right here in this very room and some of them are out there locally and worldwide as well. And so, friends, I invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to pick up reading Paul's letter, especially what he's been writing in chapters 8 and 9. And I hope you'll dig a little bit deeper in these chapters um, this week. But I want to pick it up with verse 5 this morning of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which begins with... The word what? So. So. If you want to understand in a deeper way why he begins verse 5 with so, um, start reading chapter 8 and and through chapter 9, verse 4. So, after all of my concern and exhorting you to give, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you have promised. This is Paul's version of an armored tank truck, okay? (laughs) Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one, what, grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your what? Your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I have used this um, verse in other uh, call for the tithes and offerings. It comes from the Greek hilarion, which we get an English word called Right, we're to be hilarious givers, cheerful givers. Or, as Dr. Eugene Peterson says from the message, for God loves it when a giver delights in giving. We should love to be giving what God calls us to give. 
There's no arm twisting. There's no guilt trips. There's no comparing to the person sitting at the end of your pew. God loves it when a giver delights in their giving. And verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, the people in Jerusalem, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God, our grateful response. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And before I read the final two verses, what Paul is saying is that other people are watching. Other people are watching how you're living out your faith in Jesus Christ. Other people are watching also on Paul's heart is the Gentile churches that he has planted are now taking a special offering for the church in Jerusalem, which is primarily what? A Jewish congregation or congregations that are followers of Jesus. And so Paul's also concerned that as people watch this, as we care for one another in the body of Christ, older and younger, richer and poorer, black and white, Jew and Gentile, Paul's concerned that they, people will see this as an expression, as a response to Jesus' love for them. And so verses 14 and 15. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of their surpassing grace God has given you. And I love verse 13 or 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Friends, that is the foundation for being a hilarious giver. That is the foundation for giving your time, giving your talents to the Lord. That is the foundation for our faith. That Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried. He conquered the grave. He's alive and living. And so thank you, God. How do you want to call me? How do you want to call us to invite everyone to grow into a Christ-centered life in God's family? Paul also says in Romans chapter 12, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Some, generosity. To the giver, Paul says, generosity. The giver likes to give. And yet, I realize not everybody can give what everybody else gives. But God works it together. He brings us together. 
multiplies our offerings, our tithes, and can do far more abundantly than we can ever ask or imagine. I remember our youngest two kids, you know, what kid doesn't at one point or other want to sell lemonade in the driveway, right? <laughs> and so Gene was very kind and got them all set up, and I think it was a, a beautiful experience. And they had their cup full of coins and maybe a couple $1 bills. But I think what they decided way back when was what to do with that. We thought, boy, they're going to go get some, you know, candy or whatever. They, they decided they wanted to go and give that cup full of money to a local um, ministry um, called Missionary Flights International. The whole cup full. I don't know how they accounted for it or how they used it. But it was just a special blessing for us to see our kids learning how to be hilarious givers, <laughs> to be generous people. And I'm sure the lemonade was pretty good too. <laughs> but how can we, how can we look at our giving friends? It's only one small expression of God's personal and lavish generosity to us especially this indescribable, this inexpressible gift of Jesus' love for us. For we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And yet, God loves you. God so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten son. For you, for me. And all who place their faith and trust in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God graciously, indescribably gives us so much so that we can not only be blessed and forgiven, but so that we can shine our light to others. And so, friends, as you think about God's indescribable gift, as you think of God's salvation for you. May that salvation not only touch your soul and redeem your soul, but it also should touch our calendars. It should also touch our wallets. It should also touch our passions. And friends, know that whatever is given, your time, talent, and treasure it's never lost. It's never lost on God. It is sown into God's field where he provides the good dirt, where he provides the bountiful harvest so that others might know who he is. I mean, what would it look like, friends, to say something to God along these lines, gracious God, you have given me more than I can possibly fathom. In fact, God, you have given me the opportunity and privilege of giving back to you a portion of what is really yours. Now, we could honestly say to God, it isn't that you need my money or my abilities to get your work done. Friends, that is so true, isn't it? God invites us. Did you ever think about it? God invites us into his mission to the world. He invites us. He has chosen us and the blessings that he has entrusted with us. What an honor. What an honor. 
And so, friends, I really believe there's a profound irony in our giving gifts to God, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Whether we're giving God our labor or the financial fruits of our labor, in fact, we are giving to God what God has already provided. Do you ever think about that? A biblical framework? We're giving to God what God has already provided for us. We're giving back. God doesn't need our stuff. And God doesn't need our effort. But God chooses to use our stuff and our effort for his purposes and his glory. When we give to God, friends, we aren't supplying what God lacks. Rather, we're expressing our gratitude, commitment, and love to God. I hope that makes sense this morning. I hope that makes sense. A life filled with gratitude... And when the days come, when the budgets don't balance in your life, we want to be a church community that helps out with that. That's one of the reasons why I love that we have a senior benevolence fund, a deacon benevolence fund that others have given to over the years that are now in glory with Jesus. But week in, week out, confidentially helping one another on this journey of faith and life. And so this morning I pray that you leave here sharing in your hearts and your minds, thanks be to God. Thank you, God, for your indescribable gift. How can I today, with what you have blessed me with, respond with gratitude, with thanksgiving for your glory and the blessings of others. And so, friends, I want to take time to pray for us a few minutes this morning. I want to pray about our stewardship mindset. I want to pray for one another in this congregation. I want to pray for God's mission and ministry to the world near and far around us. And then we're going to sing a song, a closing song. And it's been a blessing to have a conversation with Shauna Escovito and Heidi Butcher over the last couple months. If you don't know Shauna and Heidi, they've been, been faithfully leading a cancer support group for many years, online and in person, um, based on the COVID and, and needs. And they had it on their hearts that wouldn't it be, be a neat time just as part of our worship to just acknowledge that we need God's physical, spiritual, and emotional touch as well. And so this morning, during that final song that we sing together, I'm going to have Pastor Joy and, and Pastor uh, Janae come forward. They have little cups of oil here. And if you would just like a special blessing and a touch, we're going to try to do this every fourth Sunday of the month together. Not just if you have cancer or if you know someone that has cancer, but there may be financial issues on your heart and mind. There may be spiritual issues on your heart and mind. There may be mental health issues on your heart and mind, whether it's you or someone that you love. And just to come forward and to receive God's blessings and peace. And so I hope that as we preach on tithes and offerings, we also see that we want to care for one another well, too. Make sense? So let me pray. 
And then let us sing. And if God nudges you this morning, Pastor Janae and Pastor Joy will be right here and would be happy to give you that special blessing from the Lord. Will you join me in this time? Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are, for you being an indescribable gift. I honestly believe, Lord, we don't have human words to fully understand the depth of your saving love for us. None of us here deserve it. The chasm of sin was, was too deep, was too wide, was too dark, and yet you came because you loved us. And Lord, as we heard from Perch Church this morning, there's others that need to hear that good news as well. Others that will not even come on campus to a church. And so we thank you for the ability to gather here, to gather online. And I would pray, Lord, that we would respond with gratitude for your saving love for us, our time, our talent, and our treasure, so that others might come to know and believe of who you are and how much you love them. And so help us, too, to be good stewards of what you've entrusted to us, our first fruits, so that we can care for one another through various ministries and, and life groups and special worship gatherings, let alone each Sunday here. But we want to care well for one another and also face outward, not inward, but face outward for your glory and the blessing of others. And so this morning, during this final song, hear our hearts, whether we're online, whether we're in the pews, or we come and just receive your special sign of your love for us. Lord, hear our hearts. Hear the depths of our soul, our unspoken requests. You know us completely. And we love you for it, receiving us just where we are this morning. And so we pray and we, we come in faith knowing you are a God that can do far more abundantly than we can ever ask or imagine. This we pray, Lord Jesus, concluding with the prayer that you teach your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.